the first five months was brutal. Um, really, really brutal. <laughs> um, we, we had Saturdays when we didn't even have one table. And we didn't want all those people who we convinced to feel like, oh my God, this is a sinking ship, so we have to flee. So uh, we took them all to a Korean barbecue and um, told them that everything is okay. Uh, we expected this, we didn't. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Don't waste a crisis. It's been the attitude of many trying to navigate the COVID world, stay afloat, and, if possible, come out the other side stronger. With time and necessity, we've seen sweeping changes to the culinary landscape for many, and some afforded the opportunity have used their time to explore new avenues. Dara Lee and Illa Kim are the owners of Soul Dining and Soul Deli. Guys, how are you going? Hello. Hi, thank you for having us. It's great to have you on. You've uh, you launched your restaurant, Soul Dining, two years ago, but during this time, the crazy time of the last year, you uh, launched Soul Deli, a Korean deli. Uh, tell us a bit about it. Yes, so um, when the lockdown in Sydney happened, we had to adjust like everybody else, and um, it it was really difficult for us to because basically the only thing possible was takeaway or or delivery and we didn't do any of those and we had and I still remember when lockdown was announced we had about a week time to prepare everything and um, the easiest would have been and I think everybody in this situation thought about um, can I do takeaway what's the easiest way um, and uh, the easiest back then would have been just doing takeaway with what we have already. But for us, it was really difficult because um, <clears throat> the food, we, we were worried about how the food would arrive at the homes because um, the whole menu was con- um, concepted that way that you eat it at the restaurant because we saw it as a as an experience where you talk to your waiter, where you get your food explained, all those kind of things. And uh, also, um, we didn't have any staff that could have done the delivery themselves. Nobody had a car, even a bike. <laughs> um, so we would have had, uh, been depending on the delivery partners. And um, even though there were m- many who offered a discounted rate, it was still too high with the food costs that we had because, um, yeah. So we sat down, we, 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 to be honest with you, we tried for a week, but we saw that, that this is not going to, to um, get us through this period because we back then also didn't know how long this is going to last. Nobody told us, is it a two weeks lockdown? Is it four? Is it six months? Back then people used to talk about six months lockdown. So, and I, or we basically had just money for one month to survive. Wow. Yeah, we, uh, we were a young business. Um, we are 100% privately funded. It's our mortgage money that went into this business. Um, and we were just at the, um, at the turning point where um, we could 
pay things properly, <laughs> basically, um, because we're at the point one year and, and a few months old. So one month's worth of money that we had in our accounts and um, we had staff, many of them returned. Yes, at that moment, uh, we had uh, many Korean staff we were working around, but like most of, it, most of them are the student or the working holiday people. So we have to let go because we can't holding them in a situation how it can get bad or not. Then we can't posting to them to stay with us because that's what we can do. So we our like sixty percent of the step leave, and just few chefs and we are just left in a restaurant. We try to keep our business as much possible, and then as Ella say, we are try to delivering our restaurant food as the delivery platform, but it didn't work. We can't give the same amount of the experience, give it to the customer and the food cost and, you know, partners take their thing as well. So we sit down, we close for the week and we sit down in the restaurant with uh, our two full-time chef and Eli and me. And then we just discuss about what we can do how we can surviving in that moment in the delivery and uh, takeaway platform. Then our chefs and me are making few ideas to making the, the final product. What we made is the kind of the rice bowl, something homey, something what you can eat every day. So this start idea from the Seoul Delhi. With one venue and not much cash in reserve, how did you come to the conclusion that taking on another venue to create the deli was a was a good idea? I honestly don't know if it was a good <laughs> idea. Uh, we do currently have moments. Um, I mean, it's half a joke <laughs> um, where we think if we hadn't done that, we might be at a better place and maybe able to to finally do that mortgage that we talked about. <laughs> um, but I think you do get a little bit addicted to that whole new concept and new venue idea, right? And um, when we started looking for, so financially, the hole in the wall venue that we initially thought that would just do takeaway and delivery from over a counter, um, mm. that would have financially made sense. Um but because lesser rents and um, less people, all those kind of things, and and the menu is just concentrated on a certain um, a certain dish that you can replicate really quickly, so stuff like that. But um, once we started looking for for the venues, and um, it's also a bit sad, but there were a lot of great venues that became available back then. Mm. Um, and um, the landlords were very eager to get those venues filled. And so we had, it sounds a bit bad, but it, we, we had a good position to negotiate. Mm. And with that, um, we just developed all these ideas and all those people came to us talking about all those ideas. And it was too too tempting not to do this <laughs> um, because we what we also realized during COVID or what we what we got to appreciate was the power of community 
And we were looking for ways to give back to community. And naturally, this whole Korean-Australian community around us just came together. And we wanted to give them wow. a venue where we can show this. Because after COVID, one of those things that we realized as well, um, we just started talking to each other in a different way because we all went through this crisis and normally we felt more like we have to keep it to ourselves because we might seem like a weakness or other people might do better but you know all those kind of doubts but we all knew we went through this hard time and we came out of it somehow let's talk about this what was your experience and what are you doing differently how are you adapting and out of all of that we just felt like oh let's give this a chance this is unique this is something um that we can create here that's really special well it certainly isn't i'm not sure that there is another korean deli in australia and uh, dara can you tell us about what 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 it is that you're doing and what you're offering there uh in the seoul deli we are trying to making a little bit different as a soul dining. Soul dining is basically making all the dish as the my memory and experience and to presenting like now times of the Korea in Australian market. But Soul Daily is the more friendly and more daily life and like more like a lifestyle thing to put it under the cafe, hybrid, daily, maybe restaurant in one day. So in Seoul Delhi, I'm trying to making everything from the scratch. So I make all the sauce from the Delhi, except some product I have to buy it. Then something I have to buy it, I always choose the Korean product. Anything I can get best as possible. And I make the all the I'm making at the moment four kind of the kimchi, making in the Delhi daily and permitting in the house. Also, I'm making tofu, like a soybean cut, I'm making by itself for the, for the menu and for the sale to the customer. And we, I'm offering in Delhi some Korean snacks, like my childhood snack and some Korean drinks. And I'm trying to making like, Sydney side of the Korean community in the Delhi venue. So we are inventing Korean lo Korean coffee roastery called primary coffee. I, I don't know how I, I can say this one, but yeah, uh, we are using the Korean roastery coffee. We we contact with the Korean like fashion designer to making our goods and make with the she's style. And we try to get like the pottery guy who met with me after the COVID as the personally, but he come in helping us to get nice art piece of like pottery thing under the wall of the Seoul Delhi. Even he's selling it and stuff like that. The old Sydney side. Korean community who living around us to show what it is inside of the Delhi. That's what we are trying to do. Ila, you, know, you guys mentioned that uh, with the Delhi, you're trying to connect with the Australian Korean community and, and also introduce Korean culture 
um, to Australian way of life. Tell, tell us about um, what it's like to eat there and the impact that it's had. So at Seoul Dining, we always felt that people book, they plan their visits, they already know a little bit what they're going to have. So um, there, it's more of a dining experience where it's a special occasion kind of a thing. But at Seoul Delhi, we found that there are guests who can come three times a day. It's part of their daily routine. Um, and that's how we wanted it always to be, like um, that you go to a place and the Korean-Australian culture that we show there can be part of your daily lifestyle. Um, I felt that all those artists who we showcase in the venue are just doing that. They um, are either first generation or second generation, sometimes third generation Koreans living in Australia, having found their own ways um, living in Sydney and also trying to find um, what they can contribute to um, the whole culture experience. And I think it's actually really easy to make that part of your uh, your daily routine and your lifestyle. And that's exactly what's happening. So um, we have regulars who come in the morning for a bacon and egg roll, which is um, a very Australian thing, right? But we do have this special chili sauce in it that Daryl makes. Um, and um, that gives that bacon and egg roll an extra kick. And um, some regulars say they get they got addicted to it. So they just need that kick in the morning to wake up with the coffee that we serve. Um, and then at lunchtime, we get our get uh, our regulars who come for the KFC roll, Korean fried chicken. Um, and then they come back again for afternoon tea where they have the Korean donut. So. Um, and it is already part of their lifestyles. We have a, we are surprised at the amount of kimchi we are selling. Um, the idea of having those four different kinds of kimchi that Daryl mentioned came also a little bit from COVID because we only had one kimchi on our menu in, at Seoul Dining, which is the white kimchi. But um, because that kimchi is vegan, people were asking where they could get really good vegan kimchi or vegan sauces because Korean flavors make so many things much more intense and interesting and they would like to do that but um, they can't get it anywhere because we put fish sauce basically in every sauce that we, <laughs> that we make, right? The Korean fish sauce. Um, so... That was one of those reasons when, when we did the four different kinds of kimchi, the traditional one, the white kimchi vegan, and then the red kimchi vegan and the stir-fried one. Um, because there was a need in the community and we are really glad and, and um, a little bit surprised as well how much of that we are actually selling right now. Well, I want to, um, I'm intrigued to know how you guys met and started all of this, but I wonder if, uh, Dara, you can take us back to why you became a chef and, and the beginnings of your career. Uh, I think so when I was young, uh, really, really was young. My first memory when I first cooking was making fried egg when I was like five, six years old. Because my, my dad, very, very good at making sunny side up. But I always want to make it sunny side up, but always ruin it because I don't know how to control the fire. Of course, it's five five years old kid sitting on the stove and making fried egg for 
by myself. And then second memory, what I have was nine years old. I got the book from the mom's bookshelf. I think at that time, my mom just bought a like, small microwave plus oven thing. So it comes with some cooking book. Then I start watching that cooking book and I find out some sponge cake. Then uh, start following the instruction and I uh, made it. It was my maybe second class of the primary school and stuff like that. I always interesting about uh, making food and eating stuff. Also, my father gave me a lot of inspiration because my father used to be a truck driver. And in my holiday season, he always working. So he traveling up and down, like top to bottom in the Korea, everywhere. So also his truck has got small bed at the back. So I can stay with him for like one week's trip to all around the Korea, go to the, all the small market when he stops. And then all the truck truck driver or taxi driver know where's the best meal they sell as the best price. So I tried so many things and it gives me a very good experience out of it. And then I just fell in love with the bread when I was 15 or 16. So I want to be a baker. So that moment I was deciding I want to be a baker when I get when I get get the job. So in the last class of the high school, I have opportunity to do some like a job training type of thing. So I decided to go to the hotel school, a kind of the culinary school in Korea. So in a year, I just finished that school. Luckily, I have a chance to go to the Italy because the the school has got connected with the kind of the scholarship thing. So I have a chance to go to Italy and I stay for a month and uh, I see so much beautiful things in Italy and eating all the lovely food. Then I was thinking to, yeah, I need to do some Western food. They have got something room for it. I just fell in love with it. But still, the baker thing is keep going on in that sense. <laughs> so, uh, but in Korea, the guys have to go to the military service. If mil- military service is not done yet, then you can't go to overseas easily because they don't give me a, like a long-term passport. So I uh, go to the military service as the cook for two years and cooking for, you know, Korean cooking for the like big guys who in military for two years. Oh, if I'm thinking now that it was my Korean food experience coming from, (laughs) 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 might because after that I never been Korean cooking for more than twelve years. Because I I was more like a trained as the Westernized food. So like Italian, Spanish, French restaurant, the where I working in Korea, in Australia and New Zealand. And it's the, go back to there, the, after the military service, uh, was start working in a bakery in a called Gangnam. Gangnam is like a central place in 
Seoul city. And I was learning about the sourdough and all the making bread and stuff. I was having fun, but one day I was realized I'm doing same things every day. That's the, my concern to start change to the chef, to the baker. Because uh, that, that moment just realized I'm, I'm not a guy who doing same things every day. I wasn't happy. I cannot be happy then doing same things every day. Of course, it's the very like intense thing. I, I could say like it's a very hard job and like a very mass mastering things. You know, ma become a master in the sense. But I, I wasn't that kind of guy. But I want to be that kind of guy, but I wasn't that kind of guy. That is what I realized like working in a bakery for a few months. So I want to be some, I want to be a trendy, something you think keep coming up. I want to kind of the creating something. I want to making some fun thing and subs like that. Let's mention that he was in his 20s. <laughs> he wants to be trendy. Well, I wonder if you could tell us what lured you to hospitality and how did you guys meet and go on the path that you're on now? Uh, what lured me to hospitality is my husband, who's a chef. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do enjoy it now very, very much. But we met at a venue where Daryl used to be head chef and I used to be the senior consultant for PR and events. So I come from a public relations background and um, it was a German company who built a very interesting venue with a creative agency on top. And um, they did events themselves and we had clients and we did their marketing um, strategies and all those kind of things. And I was in charge of PR. And Daryl was the head chef of the venue below. And um, we did quite a few big events together for brands like Nike and Adidas and um, Blizzard, all those kind of things. Um, and that's how we met. But back then we were just colleagues. Um, and then I went on because before that I used to do a lot of startup PR. I went on to a bigger company um, that was um, doing, oh, it was a startup and I was a spokesperson for them. Um, and then we met again through friends that we had together back then. Um, and we started dating. <laughs> and Two months into dating, Daryl got this offer from um, Australia, from that restaurant where he used to work back then for working holiday, that they would like to have him back as um, it started with sous chef in, in Sydney, in Darling Harbour. And he was like, oh, you want to go with me? And I was like, uh, <laughs> a bit fast. <laughs> um, also, I... I grew up in Germany, so it, I just made it back to Korea. So I was a bit reluctant to change the country again. But um, in the end, it took time until Daryl was ready to go. By the time we've been together for a year and we had that um, confidence that we could do it. Um, and that's how we came to Australia. Um, 
and he started the job that was offered to him um, and I was working in an office. But after a while, um, we realized we really want to do our own restaurant. Um, and we were talking about it all the time. And um, at first, when I came to Australia and I couldn't, couldn't get a job right away, I did waitressing and running food and stuff like that. And, um, and I used to do it, of course, back then in Germany when I went to uni. Um, but um, I also realized how, how professional everything is in Australia with, in terms of waitressing and, and, and running food. It's, that, that was a really eye-opening moment how, how this industry is taken so seriously in, in this country, which was really nice to see, which gave me a bit more of a confidence to, to make a proper business out of this with with my husband so but still the reason why I became a hospitality person that I feel very good with now but um, was because of my husband thank you <laughs> <laughs> well well yeah. you did take the leap of faith and you opened soul dining but it's not been without its challenges you had the the light rail going in uh down the the street that it's on, you you've had COVID and you've opened a new venue. What, what what's it been like the last two years, trying to create this amazing Korean experience, but with all those challenges? Um, to, to be honest with you, we when when we started all of this, we, as Daryl said, he, he said it in a funny way with the trendy thing, but um, I guess we wanted to be seen, if that makes sense. Um, we wanted to see where we could be if we tried because we couldn't get any reference we didn't we had confidence in our food and the experience that we offer but we didn't know how it would compare to others who do this so well so we wanted to be in the middle of things and for us it was always Surrey Hills um, CBD Potts Point Darlinghurst that area Um, it was also the area that we lived in um, when we came to Australia, and we felt like we have to know the people if we want to sell food to those people. So that was those areas that we felt comfortable in. But um, we didn't have that much funds to get into the really good venues. So the only ones that people showed us were the ones with an with an issue (laughs) 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 because we are basically nobody nobody knew us we didn't have big names on our resumes and as you said i i I wasn't even from hospitality so uh, i we couldn't get that trust in us to get to those real estates that looked really really good so light rail was one of those issues that made us come to surrey hills without that we couldn't have been in that space, I think. Um, and at the beginning, it was hard. We, um, so our restaurant manager back then, a very good friend of ours, came, um, he came from a very big venue. Um, Daryl came from a very big venue, both in Darling Harbour. So we miscalculated our targets, our <laughs> sales forecast and all of that. Um, and um, we had to learn everything really from scratch because we felt like everything that we knew, it's not applicable to the thing that we do. 
we had to fight with um, stereotypes about Korean food or uh, a venue full of Asians, I would say. Um, because back then we used to be all uh, all Korean team because when we put up a job advert, nobody wanted to work with us because the concept was strange for many of the people and, and they didn't know us. It's a first venue, so they were worried, so they didn't come to us. So we had to um, work, we had to convince um, some of our uh, friends and, and people that we got introduced to, to try this with us. Um, and um, the first five months was brutal. Um, really, really brutal. <laughs> um, we, we had Saturdays when we didn't even have one table. Yeah, there, there was a, and, and we didn't want all those people who we convinced to feel like, oh my God, this is a sinking ship, so we have to flee. So uh, we took them all to a Korean barbecue and um, told them that everything is okay. Uh, we expected this, we didn't. Um, <laughs> we told them like, um, we, we, this happens, we knew about this, and but this we will be just there and it will be all good. Later on, our now head chef, back then sous chef, told us um, they couldn't order more meat because they were worried that we don't have the money, um, and and we just drank. And but but after five months, it, I think it was um, a long period of just trusting ourselves and trying to do the things that we we think is right. Um, we did a lot of. Um, different marketing initiatives just to see what works um, and how we can get the word out there. But in terms of food and the experience that we deliver, we tried to stay really true to ourselves. And I think after six months, it started um, like getting the people in and, and having guests on a Saturday. Um, yeah. Um, and then... Uh, we tried new things like the truffle season and um, and then after a year we felt like um, that that it's coming to a point where where we feel not established but but still it's running now we don't have to worry that in that way but then COVID came so well the light rail is um, in place now and we're hopefully ahead of COVID um, and you've got the contemporary Korean soul dining and um, the everyday sort of uh, Korean experience with Seoul Delhi. What is it that you hope that people take away from the experiences of those venues? I hope um, or we hope that people can see how diverse Korean food can be. Um, although Sydney has such a sophisticated food scene, um, in terms of Korean, we always felt that it's very good at the lower price end, um, the Korean barbecues and the chicken and all those kind of things, but still missing a bit in terms of how it can be different, what we can see in Seoul or sometimes what we can see in New York or San Francisco. You, you see a lot more diversity in terms of Korean cuisine or L.A., um, and I think Sydney could do that as well because we have a really big Korean expat community here. I think it's actually even bigger than New York in numbers. Yeah. Um, so we have all this knowledge and all these people here who could do that. But um, And also with the rise of K-pop and 
um, K-dramas and everything, people have much more interest in Korean culture and food. And I think that's something where we can um, give some, you know, interesting aspects to or, or, or have our own story within that context. So um, we are always thinking like Sydney has so many beautiful beaches, you know, and um, there's this way how you eat seafood in Korea. Like you have these big tables where everything is just brought to you at once and um, different kinds of seafood made. Uh, in different ways, um, you and you sit at a very low table on the on the floor, and all those kind of things that makes the beach experience also a little bit different in a Korean way. And, and we we think about all those kind of things. And there's just so much more that we could do, um, and many more people, young chefs that that we meet along the way, um, who wants to do the same as well. So we hope that we can contribute to the development of Korean cuisine in Australia or Sydney at least <laughs> well Ila and Dara we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today and I think there's so much more we can talk about and really look forward to seeing the development of what you do and bring to the Australian culinary landscape um, please keep in touch and hopefully we'll catch up again soon yes thank you so much thank you so much this is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.